This show is brought to you by Whatever You Say Productions, starting conversations since 2018. Hello, everyone, scientists, nature enthusiasts, regular everyday people. Welcome and welcome back to this episode of Microscope. My name is Samantha. And my name is Mike. And today we have we're, – we're changing things up. We're still talking about climate change, but instead of talking about the hard science and the biology of it, we're going to take a step back and look at the psychology of what drives Damn. people's – sort of preconceived notions Mm -hmm. yes preconceived notions of like whether or not it's real yes we're really excited about this and mike and i we've gotten very good at this my dear we have meetings ahead of time so we don't just go diving headfirst because you and i do we have a tendency to get very excited and so the last time we tried to dive into a little bit of psychology and sociology i think we tripped over ourselves but i am very (laughs) optimistic that this is going to be a much better episode now Mike, today is a very yes. exciting day for you, and I know that you very are just jumping day. out of your skin, so I'm going to back off. I'm going to give you the floor. Why don't you tell everyone what happened to you today? Yes, yeah, so I have some super exciting news. Nothing related to climate change. Well, sort of related to climate change, but nothing related to the episode today. So there's this field of microbiology called metagenomics, and essentially it looks at all of the instructions for making a bacteria within a certain environment. So I've been doing these metagenomic studies on the Amazon jungle. And the exciting thing that I just found out today is that I was able to reconstruct entire instructions for two very distinct and elusive bacteria that we don't know anything about. So as of today, I can tell you all that um, I have remade genomes. Yeah. Of, of like the best genomes. And I'm so excited about it. Will My you voice name? Your voice is probably super high. <laughs> oh, okay. Your voice is always high. Will you name one of them Dumbledoreus? Or is this still not a possibility? Well, because we don't have cultured representatives of them, so because they're basically files on a computer and not like physical living things in a test tube i can't name them damn it um yeah i know unfortunately oh well i've moved on oh well well all right so moving on nicely my congratulations that's incredible and i'm so thrilled for you because as i said to you off air i'll say it on air what a reaffirming moment for you to really remember why you're doing what you're doing and what really excites you and what you're truly passionate about in life i'm really happy for you so yeah, let's actually, get into this. wait i want oh, i want to say oh. one thing So I feel like, well, no, (laughs) I feel like a lot of people in terms of science think there's always a eureka moment. And I think that's a big misconception. There's almost like never a eureka moment. It's more of like a, "Ah, okay, what I thought was right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. I'm glad that you got that confirmation. I think that's really important, you know, when you're studying something and when you're not only studying something, but in your case, when you're trying to discover something new or cultivate something new or identify something that has not been identified yet. I think that, um, you know, having these moments where you're like, aha, there it is. I knew it was there all along. It's really important for you. (laughs) So good. I'm glad that you feel very, uh, validated and vindicated i guess so okay. i know hold on let me just have one quick moment of excitement oh no oh! okay all right moving on 
Is it over? <laughs> okay, so let's talk about climate change. So first of all, I want to give a shout out to all of our listeners who we're very fortunate, Mike, because we have listeners all over the world. We're very, very lucky. And the most popular episode we have done to date was the one that was called How Widespread is Climate Change? And so what that really demonstrated to me was it backed up all the studies, all the data and all the articles that I read that people really do want to understand climate change, but it's a hard one to wrap your head around. Now, I think you and I have done a very good job up until this point with really explaining like what climate change is, where it's occurring and how it is impacting different environments. But today I'm excited to dive into this because we're going to be talking about the relationship between personal experience and belief in the reality of global warming or global climate change. So why don't you kick things off and um, and and start us off here? Yeah. So I want to give the authors credit for the ones who actually did this study. And it was by Myers and their group. And they are based in or they are based at both George Mason University and Yale University. So essentially what we want to talk today is the understanding that climate change is affecting every area on the planet, right? We're seeing- There's no escaping it. It's happening everywhere, right? We're seeing a an increase in both frequency and intensity of heat waves, right? In very dry areas um, or droughts that were never seen before in wet areas, right? We, there's more precipitation, there's more floods, there's more hurricanes. And like we talked about, what, four episodes ago with mm -hmm. California and how the forest there's, fires. there's more forest fires, exactly. So all of these things are having grave, grave impacts on both the biodiversity or the organisms, you know, like macro and microorganisms that mm -hmm. live within these environments, as well as like, let's be selfish ourselves, right? Right. But the interesting thing is that most Americans perceive climate change as something that isn't happening now. And they don't understand or see the indicators um, and how those impact them in their current lives every day. Exactly. And I think what really, excuse me, but what pisses me off is that despite the widespread agreement among climate scientists that human-caused climate change is occurring, okay, this is, this blows my mind, only two-thirds of Americans, right, so 66% of Americans correctly understand that global warming is happening, and nearly half of those people are only somewhat sure, so 42%, or 5% are not sure at all of their answer. And then on top of that, so just like, okay, so so let that sink in for a second. So yeah. there's only 66% of American adults that are like, yes, Climate change is a real thing, and it's happening. Mm -hmm. But the other, the other half, the other, God, they are somewhat sure, or they're not sure at all. Like, they just, and for me, that not sure at all percentage shows me that they don't care. Sorry, I'm going to call it. People can rip me apart on the internet. I don't care. It means that they don't care. So, on top so of that. So, I, I do appreciate, I do appreciate that you said that these adults understand that global warming, global warming is happening. I think there's, you know, especially something that's 
as hotly or as hotly debated as global warming there's a like well i believe in this or i don't believe in that or like the vaccines like i believe in this i don't believe in that Mm -hmm. it's not a belief right like you either understand exactly that it's happening or you don't like i understand the sky's blue you can't believe the sky's blue i mean you can believe the sky's blue but like a better explanation is that Wow, dude, this plant needs fucking water. Right. Yeah. No, I'm oh, sorry. There, there's a no, plant right in front of me, and it is droopy as all hell. I <laughs> this thing. But okay. all right. here's here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. So, of the 66 percent of American adults that correctly understand that climate change is real and it's happening, only a third of them believe that they or their families will be harmed by climate change. I'm sorry. This episode's over. Goodbye. I'm leaving. I can't I can't stress enough. Yeah, I, I don't think people uh, understand like a hundred percent of their families will be impacted. Like anyone who has kids now, climate change will affect your kids. So yes, your families will mm-hmm. be impacted. Yeah. Like it's I hate I hate making things like a black white well like a black and white situation but like when we're talking global scales like it it almost is black and white you know it is it's very black and white so unfortunately low levels of belief certainty and perceived threat then indicate really low levels of engagement with the issue and the trickle-down effect the lovely trickle-down effect that then means that it really reduces uh, any sort of levels of support and um, and calls to action to address the problem. So I'm pissed yeah. off. So I'm going to let let's, you continue. Yeah, that's fine. I, I quickly want to talk about, because you said a belief certainty mm-hmm. and a perceived threat. So yeah. those are actually two different things. Okay. So, right, a belief certainty is like, and understanding that something's going to happen. So, right, like if I'm thinking about the stove, right, I understand that if I turn that thing on to high, heat is coming off of that. So I understand that that's on and generating heat. The threat, the perceived threat is that when I get closer to that, when I move my hand closer to that, there's the chance that I could get burned, right? Mm-hmm. So it's there's two sides to this story that we're trying to tell. It's that you understand what is happening and then you understand that if it continues how you can be harmed or a threat like you said and because there is this disconnect between their people's understanding of like you know people oh yeah sure i believe in climate change but like i just don't think it's good or i don't think it's right, threatening but how does it touch to me, me. Yeah, exactly. 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 And because of that, people don't do anything about it, right? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. going back to the stove example, right? Like if I don't think I'm going to be burned by that stove or if I leave it on, my house won't set on fire. I'm not going to turn it off. I'm not going to do anything about it. Yeah. Before we get into it, because Mike, you and I, as we said, we have a tendency to get excited. I think that we should share with people the article that you and I read this week that talked a little bit about, you know, people's perceptions and how people will skew their ultimate opinions uh, based on uh, palatability. Is that a word? How palatability is a word. Yes. There we go. All right. So talk about the study. Okay. Yeah. So the study by Myers... 
and her colleagues essentially sought to look at two distinct questions, right? So do do people's believability or not believability, we just talked about this, do their understanding of climate change, is it impacted by the experiences in which they engage in or is it preconceived notions that are driving their current understanding, right? So there's two sides of it. Do people need to experience something to understand what's happening? Or do people, you know, read enough and already understand and like don't care about the experience, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? So essentially what they did is they did two national surveys um, of Americans. The first was done in 2008 and then again in 2011. And essentially they gave um, these people questionnaires and asked them various sort of questions pertaining to like, you know, what are their experience in specific climate change um, events that happened as well as what was their preconceived or what was their understanding of climate change before these events so now i want to ask you let's step into a little bit of a time capsule (laughs) and go back 2008 we were coming back heavens (laughs) we were just coming off of uh hurricane katrina in 2008 which was devastating which still has ravaged Uh, certain locations down south that have never recovered and i don't know if they ever will so we had that to go off of they will because humans are resilient yes they will but okay but shout out to all the humans listening to us we hope that it's all humans (laughs) (laughs) well so that was really (laughs) the first example Uh, And and that was also right around the time where there was the rise of the internet and Facebook and all these different things. So this was really the first opportunity for scientists to raise their hand and have a bit of a louder voice and say, hey, you guys, yes, this is devastating and and we're mortified, but this is a direct result of climate change. It's really happening. Now, I remember that only a few news networks were willing to pick up that narrative. So – it was something that was sort of being woven into our dialogue as high school students at that time, but it wasn't really a, a typical conversation, I would say. Cut mm-hmm. to 2011. Was 2011 when we had Hurricane Sandy? Uh, I could look it up. Because that happened, I remember for you, you were in college when that happened. I had graduated. I'm only ever so slightly just a dash a pinch a tinge older than you are but so katrina or no sandy was in 2012 okay so yeah so this study was conducted pre sandy okay so sandy was intense sandy was i didn't have school for an entire week yeah i didn't have power for two weeks i'll never forget it we had to do our dishes out on the patio with the garden hose and that yeah. was how we did it. And that's also how I washed my hair. I mean, I didn't mind. It was still nice outside. But, I, yeah, it was completely devastating. Then our mutual friend, Adam, his home, because he lives right on the water on Long Island, was gone. 
the boat was basically they have a they have a sailboat out in front because they have a dock and it had been picked up and that was in the swimming pool. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure the entire first. He never sent me a photo of that. Oh, it's I would have liked awful. to see that. Oh, yeah. Geez. Ask him for it. He has yeah. them. It's really, really terrible. So. Anyways, all right, so we're talking about uh, this study that happened first in 2008 and then again in 2011. So what they were tested with six different models. So talk about the models that the yeah, researchers so, used. Exactly. So, right, they did all this questionnaire, and their two questions was like, right, like, is it a perceived experience or is it their preconceived beliefs or emotions that are driving their understanding of climate change. And so because they did it in two different time points, they did a bunch of these. So they're called hypothesis testings. Mm -hmm. And essentially like the way they ask this is like one hypothesis is that both perceived experience and their belief certainty both affect a person's ability to understand climate change. Or, right, another hypothesis would be that their belief certainty is driving their perceived experience, right? So that's sort of like how science works. It's a very, like, hypothesis-based testing, right? So, like, I believe that if I add red dye to the water, it'll turn red. <laughs> I test that. <laughs> you know, okay, that's, like, probably too simple, but that's essentially what No, but doing. I know what you mean. Yeah, so... They, they they looked they looked at you know their surveys in six different ways. So the first test was you know does perceived experience and belief certainty drive an understanding of climate change? The other was does belief certainty drive perceived experience? And then alternatively, right, does perceived experience drive belief certainty? And they looked at all three of these uh, hypotheses in just 2008 in that survey. Mm -hmm. Then they looked at, well, okay, does this change over time, right? And that was the – those were the next three hypotheses that they tested. So – did people follow? I feel like that was like super complex. Yeah. So, all right. Like let without me... a diagram to help. <laughs> <laughs> we do not have a whiteboard. So I want, so why don't I explain sort of like why this happens? And a lot of times things can typically be traced back to the brain and how it functions and why it Wait, functions. Really? No, I'm sorry. That's just it... me being. Yes. No, it can. Goodbye, sit down. Everything's related to the brain. Not everyone can discover a genome and name it Dumbledoreus and Game of Thronesis. Whatever. All right. Oh my so. God. Side note. Shout out to all the people who watch Game of or the Battle of Winterfell. Actually, you'll all hear this after the Battle of the South. I don't know. Fucking kill Cersei. She'll be dead after I talk. After I say this. <laughs> Jeez Louise, maybe okay, I need to start right. watching this show. Okay, oh so God, let me wait. talk to you okay. about... Okay, can we, can we... I love you. Can we talk about Game of Thrones after? Shout out to Arya. Okay, moving on. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the brain. Why Mike's brain just fritzed. Um, <laughs> sort of can... <laughs> Damn, coming at me. <laughs> well, so, you know, it can be sort of related back to what I want to talk to you about. So... This is probably a term that a lot of you have heard, and it's cognitive dissonance. And cognitive dissonance is, we're all guilty of it. It's essentially a state of mind when you have completely inconsistent, like, beliefs, thoughts, 
attitudes and opinions that are relating to like behavioral decisions as well as your overall attitude and perception. So if I go a little bit deeper into that, I can talk to you about motivated reasoning, which is (laughs) basically your brain saying, yes, I understand that if I turn the stove on, it will get hot. And if I put my hand on the stove, it will burn my hand and you not giving a single solitary shit and you (laughs) saying, well, um, I, I will actually be able to put my hand on the stove and it will not burn wrong. So motivated reasoning is an emotion based decision making process that is specifically studied in social psychology uh, as well as cognitive science and it, it also I studied it I was an early childhood education major so I studied early childhood development and psychology and we talked about motivated reasoning there as well especially after the age of three when they're able to you know form thoughts and opinions uh, everyone says terrible twos no it's terrible threes thank you so it's like um, terrible one till they get to be like a senior in college. Jesus mm, Christ. There's... That too. But okay. so basically like the term. Shout out to my students. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> the term motivated reasoning really goes back and, and latches on to the role of motivation in the cognitive process, like decision-making and uh, things like that. Um, perception, attitude, you know, thoughts, feelings, whatever. So essentially, like I said, it's your brain saying, well, I see all these hurricanes happening that have never happened before. I see, you know, happened before as in like at the rate, speed and damage level and and wind power. Uh, I see that the glaciers are melting faster than they ever have. But um, yeah. Climate change, it may be a term, but I don't believe in it, even though it's literally slapping you across the face, which is why I get- Like a tuna. Yeah. I mean, it's- Yeah. (laughs) It's just, that's why I get so pissed off. So the findings from this study, unfortunately, do suggest that for the American adult population as a whole, (laughs) the answer to like the chicken or the egg question regarding the relationship between perceived personal experience of global warming and belief certainty that global warming is happening, both hypotheses, both hypotheses are correct. Oh my God, so so fancy, right? So- <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Thank right. You for so calling me fancy. <laughs> uh, right. So in the American population, it is both perceived experience as well as belief certainty that drive people's understanding of global warming. And you know what? That's actually not super surprising. It's not surprising, um, but it's frustrating. Because how do you remedy that? Like my well, mind instantly goes to because I've worked in sales for years. So my mind instantly goes to like sales and marketing and PR and how do I come out with some sort of a message, be it copy or a visual or audio or a TV commercial or a magazine ad that will get the point across to people that climate change is occurring, it's dangerous, and it's going to kill us and our planet. Wow. Okay. Wow. Sam, I felt like you were just coming at me with a knife. Well, 
but that's what I that's where my brain goes. You know, like how if both hypotheses are correct, then how the hell do I, as someone well, who hypothetically okay, could work okay, in that okay, industry, okay. what okay. do I do? No, I, I so I think like the one so the preface to this study was that, you know, if there's a stronger correlation to one over the other, then something can be done. But because it appears that most or that both of these, I guess you could call them uh, psychological theories, are driving factors in the understanding of climate change, that <clears throat> status quo is not doing enough to drive people's understandings. Or maybe not people's understandings, but like their understanding of climate change and, and enough to change, which we see. Which we see, right? Like, there's not enough companies enacting. There's not enough people trying to do what they're trying to do at home, right? So, I think what I'm trying to get at is this isn't as sad and detrimental as you're trying to make it out to seem. But I think it's like, I don't know. After I read this study, I was like, yes, okay, thank you for doing this. Because I have, well, no, thank like, you. I have, I've called an Uber. I'll call you. <laughs> well, well, because like it's, it's, you know, I have a brain. I like think I understand how I think. And I understand that both things I experience drive what I'm going to do, as well as like my preconceived beliefs drive what I'm going to do. And I think the fact that majority of the American population also think this way almost makes it feel normal. Totally off topic, but like, okay. All oh right. my God, Sam, am I normal? No, not by a long shot, but I love oh, you. Shit. That's why I named a show after you. So <laughs> I, I think the most important thing that we need to focus on is that what the study found was that people who have a low engagement uh, in the issue of global warming, which is 75% of the population are more likely to be influenced by their perceived personal experience of global warming as opposed to their prior beliefs, which basically means their minds can be changed if presented with information that's digestible, that makes sense to them, or experiences. Also, if they experience, yeah, that yeah, experience exactly. is a very strong mm-hmm. emotion. Then they can say, oh, geez, wow, okay, I guess this is a real thing. I do think that there's probably parts of the United States where uh, people can often be more privileged than others. And so no matter what, uh, they do have a car to get themselves, you know, safely and uh, in one piece and dry from home to work. And, you know, they live on the water. So even though sea levels might be rising or they may see more storms, like they live as sort of more tranquil and ideal life. So I can see why those people are like, ah, Everything is really okay, but you have to think about the people, especially the farmers here in the United States. They are, oh my goodness, they are seeing massive uh, problems coming up every single day in terms of being able to harvest not only their crops, but also their livestock. So I, I, I hate that that's what it takes, if that makes sense. Like I hate that it's having to actually have it impact your job 
or your livelihood for people to really see, oh, wow, this is really happening. What can I do to make a difference? But, you know, we don't live in a perfect world. So Americans who are highly engaged in the issue, on both sides of the issue, are much more likely to interpret their perceived personal experience in a manner that strengthens their pre-existing beliefs. So that's where motivated reasoning actually kind of works in our favor. Um, so the, the bottom line is a lot of people do understand that climate change is a real thing that's happening. Most people don't really understand it, but luckily presented with an experience or with hard evidence that's tangible and digestible, people's minds can be changed. Which then brings me to my next point. I feel like, Mike, at this point, we have given people so many suggestions for how they can better understand climate change, what they can do to have a more positive impact. I'd like to ask you, because we touched upon this before, in terms of self-educating, are there any, even Instagram accounts, or articles, or catalogs, or websites that you regularly visit that are very well and consistently documenting the effects of climate change that you can suggest our listeners check out? Oh, way to put me on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, no. (laughs) Like, well, so, I don't know. I think I spend all day, every day reading papers about climate change. So, like, you know, I devote my life to understanding it. And I think what people can do, I guess, like, in their homes is, like, listen to podcasts by people who know what they're talking about. Oh. Did I just plug ourselves? I <laughs> well, I mean, in our defense, you and I have been very careful since we started this show to fact check everything so that people who do listen to us can go forward with their own independent conversations in a way that's informed and knowing that what they're saying is indeed correct. So, yes, pat on the back to us for that. But, yeah, I think listening to podcasts and going on Instagram and following pages like National Geographic, I have always found, has been very responsible about displaying exactly what's going on and not interfering with it. You know, they will put a picture up of malnourished children or animals that are going extinct or whatever, and they don't sugarcoat it because that's really what's happening. There's a publication that I like to read called The Week. I don't know if you, have you ever heard of The Week? Never heard of The Week. Do you have time to read pleasure things? Well, I, I have to because I do, I do, Dixon Politics, which is now called At the Newsstand. I do Oh My God News, and I do Slam It With Sam. So I have to read the news. That's my job. Okay. (laughs) Yes, you don't have time because you're busy discovering new genomes, but I do have time to read because that is my job. But anyways, yeah, I really like the week because it gives you a brief overview of everything that obviously happened that week. But they also have a science and an environment section where they talk about what's going on and they break it down and it's all typically on one page, which I really appreciate. I believe the week comes free with either a subscription to the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal. I'm not sure which, but it, yeah, it's, it's free and and it comes straight to you. So yeah, I really like that. Um, I just want to plug one more thing. So our company has started its own news um, outlet 
and a news publication. And you can find us on Instagram at oh my god newspaper and oh my god like omg omgnewspaper.com. We're posting up to the minute details on everything that's happening in the world we try to focus on good news but every so often we do have to report on some of the more horrific things that are happening in the world science is a part of what we report on as well as world events so we talk about animals we talk about science and new discoveries we talk about what's happening in space uh what nasa is working hard to better understand and explore so um, if nothing else tickers are fancy, we'd be thrilled to have you follow us at Oh My God or OMG Newspaper. To close out this episode, right, we see that there isn't like a big understanding or there isn't a big correlation between someone's beliefs or their experiences that's driving an understanding of climate change. Mm-hmm. Yet, experience does have a stronger pull to understanding. So what I want to tell our viewers to do is if you live in an environment or a location where you don't really see the effects of climate change, um, then I, you know, I offer up to you, go on the news and look, you know, what's happening in these locations where it's very, very, very prominent, like especially in these coastal regions, right? you're going to see a lot more devastating effects of climate change. And actually linking this back to what we talked about where how spread is climate change, right? So like in the in, in the higher altitude environments, you're going to see less changes as quickly. In the lower, you know, the closer to sea level, you're going to see more. So for all of you who live above a certain elevation – I don't want to say educate yourself in a mean way, but like, you know, Check it try out. and yeah, try and understand what these people who are like, I guess we could call it like the front lines of what's happening, you know, mm-hmm. like try and understand what they go through and then maybe you will change your belief certainty. Yeah. And it's all about just opening your mind. You don't have to be an expert to understand climate change. You don't have to be, you know, a, a coastal resident to really see the effects. If you have the internet or if you can go to a library, you can grab books or you can look at articles or you can just Google it or go on YouTube and you can see it for yourself. Um, So once you see it and you see just how devastating it is and how widespread it is, come back to microscope and uh, we can explain why it's happening. And of course, give you suggestions for how you can have a more positive impact on your existence on our beautiful planet. So let's wrap it up here, Mike. I love this. And I'm so glad I need to give a shout out to Bianca, who was on the last episode about Marine snow. She was that a was delight. A killer delight. episode. It killer was. episode. It was. And I hope very much that she will come back because I think that she's such a winner. Um, and I'm looking forward she to know that you have another friend of yours, another fellow scientist who's going to be joining you for our next episode. Why don't you talk about that quickly? Yeah, so uh, next week we're going to have uh, Kevin Clicky, who's also a PhD student, and he's going to talk to us how, right, we put sunblock on our bodies, but so do bacteria. And so he's going to tell us how he's trying to understand what or how bacteria do that, especially in the desert where the sun is beating at them 24-7. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's going to be great. I really love, I love hanging out with you, of course, but I love having new people on the show. So once uh, again, you just like my friends. Well, I, you know, I'll say it again because I, I can't say it enough. If you are listening to this show and you are someone that is either in science or you work a lot outside or you conduct research of your own or to the people who just love nature and have had a chance to get out into it, you know, consistently for maybe the past 10 years and you yourself have noticed some changes in your environments that you've been in, please let us know. We would love to have you come on the show. I think that it's important, of course, to always welcome academics, but I also do want to welcome regular everyday people who are kind of like me, who are like, well, wait a minute. I saw that, you know, these flowers don't grow here anymore. And now my backyard is flooded and this, that, and the other, like you may not know it, but you're noticing more than you probably think you do. And regards to nature and how it's being affected by climate change. So thank you all so much for tuning into Microscope. We're loving doing this show. And we did recently change our Instagram handle. So it's at underscore microscope underscore. And remember, Microscope, of course, has a K in it because it's named after Mike. My name is Samantha. My name is Mike. And thank you all for joining us. And we'll see you next time. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Microscope, presented by Whatever You Say Productions. Learn more at microscopepodcast.com. That's M-I-K-R-O-S-C-O-P-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com.